Welcome again. My name's Robert. I'm the lead pastor here at Mercy House. And we hope that this gives much glory to King Jesus. It's King Jesus that plants churches. It's King Jesus that sustains churches. And you might ask, well, how does King Jesus do that? Right? How, how, how does he plant churches? How does he sustain churches? And uh, I think when, when we look in the Word... One of the places that, that I would go to give Jesus' answer for that story of how he plants churches, sustains churches, is a parable that you see in multiple Gospels, but the one we're going to look at is Luke 13. Luke 13, verse 18, 19. It's going to be up here, I think. There it is. This is Jesus speaking. He says, He said, Therefore, what is the kingdom of God? like. And to what shall I compare it? It is like a grain of a mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his garden, and it grew and became a tree, and the birds of the air made nests in its branches. What is the kingdom of God like? Right? What shall I compare it to? I love this question. Jesus is sort of setting up his, his audience. You know, he's getting them thinking. They are probably thinking, the kingdom of God is like a very powerful country that squashes all of its enemies like a bug, right? Or the kingdom of God is like a wealthy tycoon who's got a billion dollars and can buy anything they want, anytime they want. Or the kingdom of God is like a massive university that knows everything about everything. But Jesus says, no, the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. The all-powerful, all-knowing kingdom of God, like a mustard seed. Right? I'm sure the original hearers were scratching their heads. Like, what, what are you talking about? The smallest seed that they, they knew of. This, this little mustard seed. Well, at least... Three reasons I think Jesus is comparing the kingdom of God to a mustard seed. One, mustard seed is supernatural. I'll, I'll explain that here in a minute. Two, a mustard seed is small and slow. And three, a mustard seed spreads. So it's supernatural, small and slow, and it spreads. The seed is supernatural. So seeds in the ancient world were considered magical. They didn't know what was going on inside that seed coat. They had no idea. This dried up little husk that if you store it in your garage, it does nothing. It might as well be a bag of dirt, right? But you put it in soil, you water it, and a root comes out of it, and a shoot comes out of it. And before long, you've got a plant coming out of it. And before long, you've got fruit that's coming off the plant, and then more seeds out of the fruit. It was magic. And so the idea of a seed was a very supernatural kind of idea. So what is this seed that's being planted? I think we can say with, with some certainty that anytime Jesus is talking about seed that's being planted and it's producing growth, he's talking about the gospel. He's talking about the gospel as revealed in Scripture. The Apostle Paul, writing to the church of Ephesus, 
which is a crazy church of Jews and Gentiles who were once sworn enemies, but have now been brought together as a church family. And the Apostle Paul is explaining to them in Ephesians 2 how it is that these enemies are now family. Ephesians 2.19, he says, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. And then he shares how that happened. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. He lets them know that that little crazy church of Jews and Gentiles were built on a foundation. And he says, the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. That's his way of saying the New Testament and the Old Testament. And then he goes on to say the cornerstone being Jesus Christ. That what the Old Testament and the New Testament reveal as its central message is Jesus Christ. And more importantly, what Jesus did for us. His death, His burial, His resurrection, His ascension, His soon return. What will we call the gospel? This is how churches are started. This is how churches are sustained with the supernatural seed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So that's how we started this church, was the preaching of Scripture, revealing the gospel, the message, the good news of Jesus Christ. Preaching Christ from the Scriptures on Sunday mornings. Preaching Christ from the Scriptures in small groups and discipleship groups. Preaching Christ from the Scriptures when we're having a counseling appointment, a one-on-one, a church meeting. I mean, we meet for a work day. We're going to start the work day taking about five minutes, looking at a bit of Scripture, preaching Christ before we go paint and clean things up. Preaching this Christ, the supernatural seed of the gospel. And Melanie and I have had the privilege of seeing that seed take root in so many people's lives. I remember, I think one of, one of the first times it, it, it really hit me how powerful the gospel was when I saw it take root in Rebecca Iwerks. This is the very beginning of, of the church plant. We, we don't have a building. Everything that goes on, it goes on at, at my house. And la- last night, her husband Justin was, was sharing that like one of the Bible studies met in my bedroom. Like, like we would split off into smaller groups and, and we'd go to the back and, and sit down on the floor in my bedroom to, to talk about the gospel. And so Rebecca had come in through a friend named Steve, who she, he's also here. They're both here. Rebecca's here. Um, and she, she was interested in Christianity. She heard Steve was a Christian. Uh, she asked him if he went to church, and, and uh, he said yes. And she said, I'm interested in exploring Christianity. And he said, okay, great, I'll take you to church. I'll take you on Sunday. And she said, no, I, I actually want to go to a Bible study. Like, I really want to look under the hood. And so he said, okay, great. Well, it's at my pastor's house. And she came. And she walked in, and we, we showed her the, the study we were doing, which was a pretty extensive study, like five days of homework. It was a pretty high bar of commitment. She bought a book. She signed up, and she came every week. And she was very honest about her seeking. She was honest about not being a Christian and that she was interested. And we just got to know her and loved her and answered her questions as best we could. And uh, over, over the course of, of months, um, 
she, she was exploring the gospel. And, and one of the things that w- she would kind of signal that she was not yet a Christian is on nights when we would take communion. And so when we take communion in, in my little living room there, and, and uh, she would just respectfully kind of decline and, and, and watch everyone else do this. And, and then one night, everyone had taken communion, and then she got up from her chair, and she walked over to me with tears in the eyes, some quivering lip. Whenever she cries, she, she does this little quiver thing. And she reaches out her hand to take her body and the blood and to profess to that room that she was in Christ. And it was such a beautiful display of se- seeing the gospel take root in someone's life, which has now produced such beautiful fruit. I hope you'll get to meet her um, over, over lunch uh, today. Gregory Campo, Amherst College, brilliant, was valedictorian of his class eventually. He comes to Mercy House. I follow up with him. I sit down with him. I, I explain the gospel to him. And he says, yeah, yeah, I know that. I know that. And then I say, but do you believe it for yourself? Do you believe you need this gospel? And I don't know. He said something, mumbled something. And, and then we, we parted ways. It didn't seem like he was, he was all that interested. And, and then later on, he professed faith in Christ. He was baptized. And... Um, so I've got him with me on a trip, and we're on a fundraising trip, and he's sharing his testimony. And so the first time we, we, we share, and he shares his testimony, he says, yeah, when Robert asked me that question, that's when I trusted in Christ, became a Christian. And I was like, really? <laughs> he's like, yeah, that was it. That was the moment. I'm like, oh, wow. Right? But it, but it was that supernatural seed that was being planted in his heart. Remember Brian Cromer? He's a polymer science PhD candidate, and he started coming to boot camp, another kind of high bar discipleship group, and he got a lot of reading and stuff to do. And, and so he's, he's coming in, and, and, and we're talking about the gospel. And I, some people were sitting in chairs, some people on the floor, and I remember him down on the floor there in the conference room in the parish house. And I could just see him just wrestling, asking questions, and I'd answer the question, and he'd ask the question. And I could just I could see him just, just wrestling with that. And it wasn't long after that. Trusted in Christ. Baptized. Bearing much fruit. He and his wife Molly now serving in a church in Philadelphia. Or Corey Klein. First time Corey Klein came to Mercy House. Um, I'm preaching. I see, the, see this kid like in a third row. And I see that he's crying during the sermon. I can't see anyone crying here because I have this light in my eyes. But... He's right there on the third row, and he's, he's crying. And so I try to, to meet him after the service, and he gets out the door before I can get to him. And then the next week, he's there again, and he's crying again. And I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get to him, and I finally do get to him, and I meet him. And I say, you know, let's follow up. Let's talk this week. And so I actually took Austin Kilpack with me, who's on our staff team. And, and uh, we, we went and sat down with Corey and talked about the gospel. And he had a very different reaction than, than Gregory when we said, do you want this for you, you know, for your forgiveness and he's like yes i want it i said well let's let's pray let's let's pray and ask the lord for forgiveness and for new life and i mean he bowed his head right there in the middle of panera bread and people talking and eating and running around and and just prayed this beautiful heartfelt prayer to jesus from that point forward Corey's life was absolutely changed it was the gospel seed the supernatural seed being planted in Corey's life. But we've not only seen gospel conversions, we've seen growth of disciples through the gospel. 
I remember when I decided to preach through Leviticus. I thought, you know, this would probably kill the church or, <laughs> or it could break out in revival. You know, one, one or the other. I said the same thing when we preached through Deuteronomy and, and Revelation. Anyway, every, every time we would, we would tackle a really tough book, I, I would have people coming up to me saying, I'm so excited that you're preaching Leviticus. And I just thought, that's a work of the Holy Spirit right there. (laughs) (laughs) Like people are hungry for the Word. They want to know what the Bible says, even even the tough parts. And then on on one particular sermon, I I was preaching a a, a part of Leviticus on bodily emissions. (laughs) And again, you know, I'm getting up in the morning, I'm I'm like a little nervous. I'm like, this could go really, really bad. And, but on that Sunday... A, a first-timer came, right? Again, you're just like, this is the worst, right? And, but, but she comes in, and she, she hears Leviticus, and she hears the sermon on bodily admissions. Now, now, the sermon was about how sin, both sins we've committed and sins committed against us, make us unclean. We're not just guilty, but makes us unclean, that Jesus cleanses us. He doesn't just forgive us, He cleanses us. And so as I, pr- I preached that, that, that day, this newcomer, uh, what I didn't know is that uh, she had experienced sexual assault. And she felt incredibly unclean because of the sin that had been committed against her. And it was exactly the facet of the gospel that she needed to hear. And it was just that supernatural seed just being planted in the hearts of people. Not only have we seen the gospel work itself out in new converts and disciples that are growing, but also in people outside of our church that have generously given so that our church could exist. I saw that probably most clearly when we bought a million-dollar building, which is where we currently uh, meet. This was in 2005. We needed to raise $200,000. We had about... $45,000 saved up, but we needed another $155,000. And we definitely needed help from the outside to pull that together. So I took a few of the people from Mercy House, and and we went down to Dallas, and we met with partners that we had already that were were from Oklahoma and from Texas, and they met in the middle. And so these people didn't even know each other. They were meeting each other for the first time. We sat in this room, and we had worked really hard on our presentation. This is probably going to be a two-hour presentation. There's going to be testimonies from some of these folks from Mercy House. I was going to do some, some pr- presenting. We had this, like, plans and all kinds of uh, planning you know, around the building and what we were going to do with it. And we were really, we're just pulling out all the stops to show these folks how well-prepared we were and, and how we know what we're doing and you should give us a whole bunch of money. And I got about 15 minutes in. And, and one, of, one of these partners, good, a good friend named Bob Evans, he just stopped the meeting. He was just like, look, look, he's like, I'm all in. I, I'm all in. I will give to this. What will the rest of you do? Will, will all of you give to this? And everyone was like, yes, let's do it. <laughs> and I was like, I'm like, you people are crazy, right? But the gospel seed had been planted in their hearts. And so the, the generosity, and that generosity was in that room, and it was m- in many other rooms and places. And, and it's, it's the way we got into a building. It's, it's the way we've continued to do ministry, to add staff. There's so much 
generous money that's come in from the outside in order to sustain gospel ministry in this place. But I think the, the place that I, I've been most encouraged to see the gospel seed is in my own family. It's in my own family. To see that in my own wife, who is so strong and so tender and so beautiful and so in love with Jesus, so persevering. A lot of what she's done to serve this in this place is hidden. It's unseen. And so it had to be supernatural. And so this was the, the, the gospel working itself out in, in her. And then it also works itself out in my own kids. And so we've, we've seen each of our kids just come to know Jesus, and they are all in. Like, it's not some uh, churchianity. They are following Christ as their king, and, and they're on the mission of making disciples among the nations. And so that came from gospel seed, and not just gospel seed that Melanie and I planted in them, but many of you planted in them as well, as they rubbed shoulders with, with many of you uh, through the years and seeing your life and see the gospel work itself out. The supernatural seed of the gospel being planted in hearts. The gospel seed is also small and slow. It's small and slow. When we came here to plant, we were, were sponsored by the North American Mission Board of the Southern Baptist Convention. They had a big sack of money that, that they gave us. It wasn't in an actual sack, but <laughs> metaphorically speaking. And it paid paid me full-time salary. It paid Joe Green, um, um, my, my cohort, uh, a full-time salary. We had equipment that we bought brand new. We, we had money for advertising, and we went to this one-week training on how to plant a church. And so in that one-week training on how to plant a church, they told us the way you plant a church is you send out thousands and thousands of direct mail pamphlets, and you invite them to a launch service, and a whole massive crowd comes to your launch service. And then out of that massive crowd, you can, can kind of call out a core of people to begin a church. And it's like big start, instant start. It's, it's, it's awesome. And they told a lot of stories that really worked well in Texas and <laughs> Oklahoma, you know. <laughs> and so that's what we came in here. That was the training we had. And so we sent out our first direct mail piece, you know, and we, we, we printed it up and we had it sent out, like thousands of people around the Pioneer Valley getting this thing. And one married couple showed up as a result of the direct mailing, and they never came back. <laughs> I'm not kidding. And the second direct mail piece, no one showed up, right? And we were out of money. So it was like, okay, now what? Well, now what is the small and the slow? The small and the slow. Planting gospel seed in the hearts of people. And so we set up a table at UMass, and we just talked to anybody who would talk to us. And invite them to our Sunday gathering, which is about 20 people at that, at that point. And so people came to that Sunday gathering. If 
we felt like they wouldn't be too sketched out if, if we invited them to our, our home for, for lunch. We invited them on Sunday to walk down the street and have lunch with us in our home. And that lunch was usually like five hours, right? It was this amazing lunch, but then we had dessert and coffee, and sometimes they'd be at our house till you know, five, six o'clock in the evening. And we just shared life, and we just talked about Jesus, and one by one, people came to know Christ, people joined in, the church began to grow, but it was small, and it was slow. And we're still doing small and slow. We're still doing small and slow. I mean, this week, even, even though the poor staff has had to work like dogs to get all of these activities ready and to set up and clean up and do all kinds of stuff, uh, still there were folks that were new last week that I followed up with, that they followed up with to share the gospel and do the small, slow work of gospel ministry. This is how Jesus starts and sustains his church. Number three, the seed spreads. Let me read this little one-verse parable again. It's like a grain of mustard seed that a man took, sowed in his garden. So there's this small, slow work there. And it grew and became a tree. And the birds of the air made nests in its branches. So this little bitty seed that looks like it's dead becomes this massive tree. And so, and so not only is this tree an, an alive, massive thing, but it's home to other living things that, that come to, to live inside of it. And so this sneaks up on you, right? You're doing, you're planting a church, it's small, it's slow. You, you're, you're doing it in a transient college town. You're doing it in a transient college town in New England, you're doing it in a transient college town in New England, mostly with students who are the least church generation in American history. I'm telling you, it's small and it's slow. And you're wondering if this is going to, if there's any chance it could work. But then the gospel starts to take root in people's lives, and, and then it turns into something that you never could have dreamed. <laughs> And, and, it, and it spreads out, not, not just in the valley and to five campuses, but, but to the nations of, of the world. Pedro just told this story. He stole my story. I knew he would. <laughs> but just, just thinking about that story where Pedro and, and Kevin and myself are uh, highly caffeinated. We're, we're, we're sitting at the Loose Goose Cafe. May the Loose Goose Cafe rest in peace. Um, <laughs> But we're sitting there, and we're dreaming together. I mean, Kevin's got a notebook full of ideas for how to, to alleviate poverty around the world. I mean, this is a, it's like a massive book of ideas. And, and, and Pedro's dreaming about how urban planning might come to bear in the U.S. among the impoverished, but also the nations. And, and as, as we're, we're thinking and we're praying, and we're figuring out how the three of us could go to the Dominican Republic and have a really... No, we... We, we did go, the three of us, and we, um, we explored this community, Las Movinas. We talked to them about their needs and, and what, what, what they were thinking and what they were desiring. And then this turned into a mission trip where Mercy House is making an impact. It feels like a world away. It's a three-hour flight, but it's, it's a, it is a world away. But, but then those trips rolled into this project of, of the soap factory, now employing four women there demonstrating the grace of the gospel in a, in a very hard place for people to live. That, that blossomed out of our church. 
And that's just one branch. A few months ago, I was uh, feeling discouraged. It's probably Monday morning. I think all pastors, you know, kind of go down the, the depressed trail on Monday morning. They're tired. And so I was like, I'm going out of town. I'm going to go to a cafe, and I'm just going to get myself together, right? And so I get to this cafe, and, and, and I, I get my coffee, and I mean, it's hot and just like I like it. And as I'm, I'm, I'm pulling this coffee toward me, my phone goes off. And I look at the phone, and I don't recognize the number, and I hang up. And I put it back in my pocket, and I go back to my coffee. The phone goes off again. And I'm thinking, wow, this, this salesperson's really persevering, right? <laughs> and I hang up again. It rings a third time. I answer it. All right, so if you, if you call me three times, I will answer the phone, okay? <laughs> just, just FYI. And so the woman on the, other on the other line is saying that we had a phone appointment set up, right? And I'm going, oh, so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so, I, I forgot. I didn't put it in my, my appointment book or whatever. And so she, she says, yeah, we were supposed to talk about fundraising. I go, oh, awesome. I'd, I'd love to talk about fundraising. And so she's working with, with a church in Boston. They're trying to raise some funds to their college alumni. And so we're chatting, and then all of a sudden she just kind of stops the conversation. She says, now, Robert, do you realize uh, that we have a connection through Megan Messersmith? And I'm like, what? What are you talking about? So Megan Messersmith was an Amherst College student who became a Christian while she was in college. We baptized her in our church. Um, and she says, yeah, Megan... Uh, she led her brother to Christ later on, and then her brother, who's now this woman's husband, who's on the phone, led this woman to Christ. And now this woman is working with a church in Boston trying to raise support for a church plant so that they can proclaim the gospel in the city of Boston. And I just thought, that's, that, that's just another branch, right? And these are just the ones that God lets me see. There's so many other ones that have grown out of this place in the last 20 years. And, and it came from the planting of the supernatural gospel seed and the small, slow work of, of gospel ministry. And then King Jesus and the power of the Spirit works in all that, which feels like you're doing nothing some days. Like, is this ever going to do anything? And he brings about this glorious tree that's so full of life and has so many implications for impact in other places. This seed, this gospel, is, it's this message that, that the divine Son of God died in your place. Right? You, a sinner, could never be reconciled to God the Father unless God the Son died the sinner's death that you and I deserved. And when he died that death on the cross, he was then buried, much like a seed. It didn't look like there was any life in him at all. He was bloody and beaten beyond recognition. And so they buried him or planted him, we might say. And he was there for three days. Nothing seemed to be happening. He just seemed to remain there under the soil. But on the third day, life came into him, and he resurrected. And in his resurrection, he, he proves that he beat sin and death and hell. And now he offers that victory to you. 
which can be received by faith. It can be received as a free gift. And when that message, that, that gospel seed is planted in you, guess what? It produces life. And it has produced life in many people in this room, including my own. And so if you've not yet received that by faith, I'm going to encourage you to do that. Jesus is building his church right now. Right? We're celebrating what he's done, but he's still, he's working this morning. And so there may be some of you, you've never received that personally. Maybe you, you've heard about it, maybe you've believed it intellectually, but you've never received that for your own forgiveness of your own sin and, and yielded to Christ as your king. Do that this morning. Pray to him from your heart and ask him to do that in your life. But for, for those of us that we've already received that good news, receive it again. Receive it again. Not... not not in a, in a saving way. You're, you're saved. If you're in Christ, you are in Christ. We'll sing this song in here in a minute that he will hold me fast. Like you, you are held fast in the gospel if you've received him by faith. But we, we need to preach the gospel to one another and to receive it again and again and again because it produces life in us in an ongoing way. If you come back next week, you're going to hear it again. We're going to preach it again. You come back the next week, we're going to preach it again. The next week, we're going to preach it again. If you come to a small group, you come to a discipleship group, we're going to preach it there. You sit down for a counseling appointment, you've got some issues, some, some struggles, some challenges, we're going to preach the gospel to you. Because this is the supernatural seed. And it starts you in Christ, it sustains you. In Christ, we will preach it again and again and again. But don't just receive it, plant it. You've got gospel seed just like I got gospel seed. There's lots of soil out there that has yet to receive the life giving seed of this gospel, this good news about Jesus. And so, if you're here in this, in this valley, plant it here. Plant it in your campus. Plant it in your community. Plant it in your kids. Plant that gospel seed in those soils. If you're just you're here as a guest, you're here, you're here coming back for the, the 20th year anniversary, go back to wherever you are and go plant it there. Plant it in the nations. Right? Plant it in Chicago. Plant it in Seattle. Plant it in those places that you go back to because it will bring forth life in the lives of those where it's planted. Let's pray. This gospel, it really is good news. Lord, it was good news to me when I, I, I understood it and received it as a high school senior and then grew like crazy as a college student in the gospel. It's good news for for my wife, as she also grew like crazy in college in gospel grace. It's been such good news for my kids as they've received that into the soil of their hearts and you've produced life in them, life abundant. It's such good news to, to so many in this room, so many who have professed faith in this church, they've been baptized in this church, the, 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 the production of, of, of life and fruit and seed out of their lives, Lord, is just a sight to behold. 
It's so glorious. It's so full of life, Lord. Thank you for the, for the work that you've done in this church, through this church, and also through the lives of those that have been sent out. And so, Lord, thank you for sustaining us. And we pray that you would continue to sustain us until you return. And so we, we, we offer up glory and praise to you. Now, as we, as we sing, Lord, this is, this is glory for you. We're singing for you and you alone. There's no one else we hear we're singing for. But making much of you, our Savior King, Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen.